Ever pinch pennies all year for that one family vacation only to feel the budget blues afterwards? If so, I was just like you. After three vacationless years, I stumbled on credit card rewards travel and cracked the code to amazing vacations that I could actually afford. Welcome to Wonderland on Points. In this podcast, you will discover how opening credit cards strategically can save you thousands on travel. We're not just dreamers anymore. We're two adventurous moms turning dreams into reality. Join us as we spill all the points and miles secrets. And contrary to popular belief, you don't have to spend a million dollars to earn a million points. Traveling on credit card points isn't reserved for those with overflowing bank accounts. It's for everyday people like you and me, learning to turn routine expenses into free travel. Consider us your points travel guides. This is Wonderland on Points. Let the adventure begin. Welcome back to the Wonderland on Points podcast. We are so glad you're here with us today. We've still got all the goods on points and miles and how to stretch your budget further on your travel and all the details on any new credit card deals that come available. And there is an exciting one that Southwest has released. Y'all know that we're big fans of Southwest and they have a credit card deal that, okay, Joanna, did anyone see this coming? I think we might have a clairvoyant in our midst because you predicted the heck out of this. It came true. So they are doing the deal that they have done the last couple Februaries. They've gotten quite predictable. Mm -hmm. So Southwest has a new credit card offer out. And what it is, is you get 30,000 points for the signup bonus. And I know you may be thinking, 30,000 points does not sound like a lot. We're used to 60,000 points, 80,000 points, 150,000 points sign-up bonuses. So why would you get a 30,000 point sign-up bonus? Because that is only half of the sign-up bonus. Mm -hmm. You get 30,000 points, but you also get a companion pass that is good through the end of next February, 2025. And that is after... $4,000 of spending in the first three months. What do you think, Joanna? I think this is an awesome deal. I want people to remember that Southwest has some bomb sales sometimes. And I got flights for my brother and I for 7,500 points for two people round trip. So I know 30,000 points does not sound like a lot. And it's true. If you're trying to go like Hawaii, okay, it's that's not going to go very far. But then your second person is for free, right? If you can really maximize the sales with these points and then you've got a companion pass and you're only having to book for one person, that is very exciting and you get it for the whole year. And as you've mentioned previously, you can turn it into the full companion pass in a couple of different ways. People should go back and listen to our Southwest episode because you talk about your strategy. You talk about the mini companion pass. I also just want to point out, in case people are confused, we often record in advance and you don't hear the episode until later. So Mary Ellen indeed psychically predicted this, even though you didn't hear her predict it until after the announcement had dropped, she actually did. So she is amazing. And that's why you listen to us, because we know all the things. <laughs> that might be a little too far. <laughs> I will say this about this deal, because I have seen Points and Miles community folks give different opinions on whether this is a good deal or not. I think it is a great deal for some people and others who maybe this isn't the right time to get the Southwest card. So who do I like this for? I like it for people that are into Points and Miles, but they are not wanting to get 
four or five credit cards a year. They mm. they really don't want to go that deep into it, but they do want some benefits, right? So this is good for somebody who just wants one card. It's a quick way to a companion pass. People have asked if the 30,000 points will count towards the 135,000 points that you need for a full companion pass in a calendar year. And yes, it does. So my husband, my sister, they started with this deal last February. They earned a companion pass pretty instantly as soon as their sign-up bonus hit, but then they both went on to earn the full companion pass. So if you are a person who maybe only wants to open one credit card, at the most two credit cards, this could be a good opportunity for you to snag a companion pass. The other person that I think should or should not get it is it depends on how many flights you plan to take in the next year. Because if you only can see yourself maybe going on one flight domestically in the next year, it doesn't make sense for you to go for this deal. It may sound good and exciting, but it doesn't make sense. I was talking to a friend today who is going overseas this summer. Her family's doing a really big trip this year. And so she doesn't actually really see them doing many other domestic trips this year. And so I told her, you know what? Why don't you wait till November and go about the companion pass, the more traditional route for the full companion pass. Right. But if you do think that you can take advantage of a bunch of trips this year, a bunch of trips, you know, across the country around, get your value out of it, then I think it's an awesome deal. And I really love it. I feel that I should be transparent to our listeners and let them know that I was just denied for the second business card in my Southwest Companion Pass strategy. And it stings, okay? I know why I was denied. It's because I've done way too much velocity too fast. And for those of you who don't know, velocity is just the word that they use when you apply for way too many cards and way too short of a time period. I do have to say I was averaging 30 to 45 days in between each of my applications for my last six cards. Um, So that is risky behavior that I do not recommend to anybody else. But you know how when you start doing something a lot and it works out, you get a little overconfident and you're just getting approved for all the cards and you're like, I got this. I'm fine. Well, they came in right before I was about to take a break because I told myself I'm going to take probably a three-month break. That was my plan after I got my companion pass, which they have just taken from me. So I've called reconsideration once. It did not go well. Um, I talked about it actually a little bit today in the episode that you're going to hear with Allie. So there's a little bit more on that and what a traumatic experience that was. I might try again. I might report back. Or I might just wait a couple months and see if I can do this. But the moral of the story is, if this one card pass is the right choice for you and your 524 status will allow you to do it, it's certainly a whole lot easier than what I'm doing right now. Just saying. (laughs) Number one, it's very sad. We're heartbroken over this one little speed bump for you in your companion pass journey. But now you are helping our listeners know that the two business card route can be a little tricky, a little a little trickier to get approved. Maybe that's the word that I'm looking for. I'm not sure how I'm wanting to phrase it, but. They quoted reasons having to do with my velocity, uh, too much credit extended, too many accounts open, too much in too short a time. So they didn't say it was because I tried to get two of these business cards. But I do know specifically with these Southwest cards, like they are wondering, why do you need another one? You just got one. Um, Because people are asked that question a lot when they're in review. So it is trickier. But you know, when one door closes, another door opens. So maybe this is your opportunity to diversify a little bit. Maybe check out, head towards Amex or Capital One World for a little while or Citibank. You know, there's a lot to go around. I know. I just can't stand the idea of being over 524 and then like a great chase offer comes out. Right. And I'm like... 
824 because I decided to start going Capital One and Amex and then I'm in trouble. You know, I'm like so loyal to Chase and their points are so good. Anyways, what a rabbit hole we've just been on with what was supposed to be a quick intro for you guys because we really want you to hear the episode we recorded with Allie today because we are talking about Paris and Europe, but mostly Paris. Paris in the fall with your BFFs, living your best Emily in Paris life, okay? So I want you guys to like put on your European dream hats and come with us through this interview. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Let's do it. Allie, we are so excited to have you on the podcast today. We have loved looking at your Instagram feed and seeing all of your European adventures. It seems like you have just been all over the place and in style, a lot of business class flights, and we are excited to learn from you. So first, tell us a little bit, how did you get into it? Yeah, first off, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, So my... I started getting into travel about five or six years ago. Um, it's kind of an a interesting path. I graduated from college and I had a fair amount of student loans. And I was like, how am I going to pay off the student loan debt? Um, I got d- deep into Dave Ramsey. You're in the right place. We talk about him all the time. Okay, yeah. So I got, how- I got deep into Ram- Dave Ramsey as a means to pay off my student debt. Um, mm-hmm. And then I felt like, I would follow all of these um, like smaller niche Instagram accounts because I felt like they were the most personal about paying off their debt and learning from them. And then mm-hmm. at some point, just traveling with points across those uh, accounts because I was wanting to still enjoy my life and do some fun things, but without paying for travel so that I could spend all my money on paying off my debt. So then I kind of went into a rabbit hole of... Uh, points and credit cards. I actually got my first credit card was the Capital One Venture card. They didn't have the Venture X at the time. And I thought it was so cool that you could erase your travel um, with your points. Um, And then it was just a rabbit hole from there, you know? Uh, So I've been doing this for about five or six years now. That's awesome. Did you have a hard time getting that first credit card after kind of being in that mindset of I'm getting out of debt. I know credit cards are bad, bad, bad. You know, that's kind of the the Ramsey motto. Um, and we, of course, like Joe said, love Dave Ramsey for getting out of debt. But then you kind of come to a crossroads where you're ready to go beyond that with your financial independence and, and dreams and things that you want to do. So was it hard, though, to get that first credit card after clawing out of debt? You know, that's actually a great question, and it wasn't that hard. I felt like I took Dave Ramsey with a grain of salt. I uh-huh. wasn't like an avid follower. I loved I loved a lot of the things he had to, to show people, especially people getting out of debt. Um, but I think, like you said, Mary Ellen, there's, it comes to, you come to a crossroad once you're out of debt where you're like, mm, I need to figure out what's best for me, and Dave's advice isn't necessarily always best for everyone. So I felt a little more comfortable um, because it might've been a different story had I been deep in credit card debt and mm-hmm. I didn't have control over like my spending month to month, but because I really only had student loan debt, I felt comfortable opening up a credit card. You are completely right because we came from using Dave Ramsey for credit card debt. It was mm-hmm. medical credit card debt and like emergency credit card debt, not spending so much. But when I reached the end of that journey, I had decided I was never going to use a credit card ever again. Like I was full Ramsey. I was like, why would I need to? I'll be fine. And then I'm like, but we haven't been on a vacation in three years because we're out of debt, but we really are not making enough extra to do this with our lives. And that was kind of the moment where I divested. And I was like, I am so grateful to you guys. And I will always tell people who need help getting out of debt to go that direction. But if you are responsible and you can handle credit cards, like why would you not? Why would you deprive mm-hmm. yourself of the op- opportunity to travel the world if you don't have to? <laughs> so I love that that is your story because we didn't even know that. And then here you are. We really seem to find a lot of people in this community who have been through this exact same journey Um, And Mm -hmm. who somehow ended up coming here from like the Ramsey mindset. So that's amazing. 
I think it's so cool that you started with the venture card because most people start with the sapphires. And I was wondering how you made that decision. Were you following people on Instagram? Were you reading Reddit? Like, where did you decide which card was the right first card for you? Yeah, you know, I think I honestly probably just Googled best credit card for travel. <laughs> um, and I'm surprised I didn't find the Sapphire. I mean, I, I got it very soon after. But yeah. um, I think I liked the idea of the purchase eraser from Capital One at the time because uh, I didn't quite understand transfer partners and how to mm. otherwise use your points. Um, so I kind of just was like, well, I don't know what the offer was at the time. Maybe let's say it was 60,000 points. Maybe I'll get $600. Like that would be awesome. Um, So then I just kind of went from there. Um, And I'm actually kind of glad I opened a Capital One card to begin with. I think I was was checking with Capital One too at the time. Mm. So maybe that's what led me to, because I had a checking account with them. Um, but I'm glad I did that because now I have some like established history because I know some people have the hardest time getting approved with for Capital One cards. Yeah, I had a good friend recently whose credit score is over 800. She hasn't opened a lot of credit cards recently, and she went for a VentureX and got denied and never could figure out why. I mean, she's got good credit. She hasn't really done anything too crazy, but they are just so picky sometimes. Yeah, it's bizarre. I don't understand why. I have heard that. Um, and I just got denied for my very first card ever. And it was really traumatizing. Oh no. So I'm scared. I know why. It's because my chase velocity is way too high. I did it to myself. But mm-hmm. it was horrible. And calling reconsideration was also horrible. So I um, am a little scared to ever go for the Venturex because I don't want to repeat this scenario ever in my whole life. <laughs> I think we all don't like to be declined. So, but I think it's part of this hobby, you know, it's going to happen. Now that you've been doing these business class flights over to Europe, what have you found to be your favorite credit card now for transferring over, you know, when you have plans to go to Paris, let's say that's our real big topic of the day. Um, Where are you going? Which credit card points are you dipping into for that? You know, I am a chase girl through and through. Um, I love my Amex points too, but I think I really dug in to, I got really into this hobby with Chase, with Chase Sapphire Preferred. And then like I got all the inks that you could ever think of. And so I accumulated a lot of Chase points really fast, um, especially because my husband is my player too. We were able mm. to use referral bonuses. Um, so the past couple years when I've been looking to book things, I've primarily been using my Chase points. Now I'm starting to venture out into Amex points because I do think they've got great international partners. Um, They're just a little bit more tricky to use. They're not as straightforward in my mind, especially for for newbies. Um, But when I think about going to Europe, um, I usually start with Air France. Mm -hmm. And they're a transfer partner of of Chase, Capital One, um, City, and Amex. So you really have your your pick um, of what points you'd like to use. But Air France is just my go-to. They are so reliable. They're easy to navigate the website, and you can get some great redemptions from them. I'm so bummed. I had this trip to Amsterdam planned in January at the beginning of the year. And at the time, I forget what it I forget how many points it was. I think it was probably like 70,000 points each way in business class. But there was a transfer bonus going on for maybe 25, 25%. So I got business class each way for 53,000 points. And it was insane. Um, So I was so excited. And then I'm bummed because I I was like sick as a dog that weekend and we had to make the decision to cancel. So now I'm sitting on a lot of points because we had two round trip tickets. That's like almost 500 or 200,000 points uh, that we're sitting on in Air France that I'm sure we'll use sometime. But I was bummed to have to cancel that. I mean, there are some amazing deals. My sister-in-law has been talking about wanting to go to Paris, and I was just sending her, I think there were 20,000. Now, she's fine with economy, so this is economy. Mm -hmm. But it was like 20,000 from LAX to Paris. Um, And I have seen it as low as 12, which is insane. I actually found one when I was looking for spring break flights, like potentially to Portugal. I accidentally stumbled across one for Paris. And I was like, I can't go this day. Somebody go. Somebody take this 12,000 point flight. I can't believe it. What have you found in terms of um, fees? Are they more coming back? I hear that a lot. Um, Even with Air France, I hear it more with Virgin Atlantic, though, that the way back is like massive. Mm hmm. 
It can be that way with Virgin Atlantic because of London's airport, and Virgin probably pushes you through London a lot of the time. Okay. London's airport, I don't know the background on it, but for whatever reason, they charge an obscene amount of fees to airlines, and then the airlines will usually push that onto their passengers. Um, so mm. I think the fees coming out, like you said, are, are tend to be more expensive. So actually, a few months ago, I went to London on Virgin Atlantic in business class. Um, and I do remember the fees were a little bit more expensive. I think it was about like 500 round trip per person. Um, but that's just going through London that you see those fees. Also having business class seats, you have those larger fees. Um, so it's really about your threshold, about what you're willing to pay. Um, for me, we were okay with paying that um, because we felt like it was, it was fun to do and it was like a, a cool trip and it's something that I'd been looking forward to, but I can understand that other people won't have the appetite for that as well. So let's turn our focus to the city of love. This summer, the Olympics are in Paris. And so we are all going to be having Paris on the brain in the next year. Um, it seems like a city that you really love. So Tell us first, where do you like to stay in Paris? So we've talked a little bit about Air France is a great airline to look at flights to go to Paris. Today I was looking and I was seeing 50,000 point business class tickets. So that's definitely a possibility. 50 to 70,000 I think is kind of the good range when you find a sweet spot. But say we're already there, okay? We've come on Air France. Where do we stay? Yeah, so I've only ever stayed in the second arrondissement. So for those that don't know Paris that well, it's basically, they use this fancy word arrondissement. I think, I don't know what it means. Probably means like neighborhood. Um, but one is in the center of the city and then uh, it, it kind of spirals clockwise out um, up to, I think, 20. And you can have different neighborhoods and they're all numbered. Um, so I've stayed in the second both times. I've only been twice. I'm hoping to go back hopefully soon. Um, and the second is near the Louvre, which is the big famous museum with Mona Lisa and uh, thousands of other great um, art pieces. Mm -hmm. So I've stayed over there. I know it's also really popular for first time um, visitors to stay near the Eiffel Tower. Um, mm -hmm. I looked into staying in the Eiffel Tower area. I found that people would say that it's really touristy during the day, which is expected. And then there's not much going on at night. Um, mm. so I wanted a little, an area that had a little bit more like restaurants and hustle and bustle at night just to see the culture. Um, but at the same time, you see those pictures of everybody with the Eiffel Tower in the background of their hotel room yep. on the balcony. And uh, of course you're jealous to see that. And of course I want, love that maybe one day, but um, you'll do it not for now. I'll do it one day. <laughs> Even uh, for just one night for the, you know, the appeal of the sparkly tower. Some yes. hotel hopping. We love some hotel hopping. Exactly. Yes. And so this past time I went, I've actually been the past two Octobers in a row. Um, mm. I wasn't planned that way. It just happened to be two Octobers in a row. Um, I stayed at the Park Hyatt this past time Ooh. on points and it was amazing. Um, I actually lucked into that. So for months, I couldn't find any availability there. And I used, um, have you heard of a Waze? The, uh, is, is it an Waze? app? It's a, um, I don't think they have an app. I think it's just on a desktop, but it's A-W-A-Y-Z. No. Um, and it's fantastic. It's searches for hotel availability. And then you can put alerts in there. It's a paid <gasps> uh, subscription, but I think it's really well worth it. L all long story short, is that I had an alert set up in there for the Park Hyatt. And like a week before we left, I got the alert that it had opened up um, with points. I, I was driving. I pull over into a random shopping center <laughs> parking lot, and I booked it right then and there. Um, but otherwise, we were going to hotel hop because I couldn't piece together. I couldn't yeah. get a full uh, stay at one hotel on points. Oh my gosh, you're a living testimony to this a ways. Yes, it's, it's great. It's so good to know it's really worth it. Like it truly worked for you. It I can't worked. wait to and look it up. It's great. So you can set up like, I think almost maybe unlimited or who knows how many, multiple alerts um, all over. And then you can designate how many days you're looking to spend and all the things. Um, I think it's like $100 a year. So if you're really invested into traveling with points, I think it's well worth it. But and it's more user-friendly than some of the other uh, tools I've seen out there. Yeah. Was the Park Hyatt just truly 
magical. I mean, all the Park Hyatt's seem pretty amazing, but mm-hmm. how is the one in Paris? It was great. I mean, I had never stayed at a Park Hyatt before, um, and so I didn't know what to expect exactly. The service there is just unmatched. Like, mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. minute you walk in, um, I actually came with a friend of mine, and but they, they would refer to me by my first and last name. They knew exactly who I was. They would take my bags. They were so kind and, and really had amazing service. Um, the hotel itself, I would say, like, the rooms are in need of a renovation. Um, mm. They're beautiful, but they're just a little dated. Um, so I think they've received that feedback a lot. Um, of course, I'm being very hotel snobbish now to say that the Park Hyatt needs a renovating. But <laughs> um, for those that are super into luxury hotels, they would come probably come away and say it needs a renovation. For me, I was just happy to be there and I felt like I didn't fit in um, and I enjoyed my time. That's. I was commenting on your post about the New York Park Hyatt. And when I was there, I was there as a nanny on a trip. And let me mm-hmm. tell you about not feeling like you fit in. Like on my night off when I was just navigating the hotel by myself and like in my little suite room by myself, Mm -hmm. I was like this, what is this life? Um, But how does the interior compare to Park Hyatt New York? Like no comparison? Because I feel like Um, the Park Hyatt New York rooms are so pretty. Yeah, the Park Hyatt hotel rooms uh, in New York are, yeah, I would say significantly better than the Park Hyatt in Paris um, because... They've just got more bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. It seems a little bit more modern. It seems a little bit more like fresh and cleaner. Not cleaner, but um, fresh. Um, but the Park Hyatt in Paris, still beautiful. Just a very classic look with a little bit. The The furniture could definitely use a revamp. That's good to know. <laughs> Have you ever stayed in, um, I, I want to say lower budget, um, but that makes it sound bad. But I was, I always, the Hyatt Regency Paris always pops up when I'm looking and it's always available versus the Park Hyatt, which is never available. So if I went, I always assumed that's probably where I would stay. Do you know anything about that? Have you stayed there? No, I haven't stayed at the um, Hyatt Regency, but I know it's a great option for families because mm-hmm. in Europe, there's so many occupancy rules. Um, where you can't have more than like two people in a room, but the Hyatt Regency, I think allows up to four. You'd mm-hmm. have to fact check me on that. And they're really good at being able to connect rooms. So if you've got a bigger family, you could hopefully book two rooms and connect them together. Um, but I haven't, I want to, I know it has a good view of the Eiffel Tower from afar, but it's in a little bit of a different part of town than the Park Hyatt. I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up because I am intimidated about going to Europe just because I am a family of five. Mm-hmm. And so Europe has way different rules than the United States where you can kind of pack us all in like sardines. But you do <laughs> families do need to be a little more careful when traveling in and out around Europe. While you were talking, I put together the pieces and realized that you said Paris in the fall with a friend, like bestie goals, a dream <laughs> trip, Paris in the fall with a friend. Are you? It's yeah. Emily, Emily in Paris. Have you watched it? It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We're we at- had a great time. It was, <laughs> it's my best friend. And I had, I've been finally trying to convince all my friends like, Hey, you guys should open up credit cards and here's what you can do. And here's all the value you can get out of it. And so my best friend finally got on board with it. And I was like, this is what you're going to do. And this is how we're going to spend the points. Um, And so yeah, we went on a long girls weekend. Um, I know to a lot of people, it sounds crazy to go to Europe for a weekend. um, But I think it's really fun. And it's a good way to like save up on PTO. I'm coming Mm -hmm. from the East Coast. So it makes it a lot easier. I'm coming from, uh, I fly out of Washington, Dulles. So there's a lot of nonstop flights. So I recognize that that's easier for me to do. But if you can get uh, on, if you can change time zones, like your body can change time zones relatively easy, then I think you can spend four or five days in Europe and then hop back over. Um, we had a great time. I, I love think so that. too. And best friends, if you are listening, <laughs> let me know when you're on board. That's like the number one goal of this is I need to get more friends and family fully on board so that I have people to travel with. It's infuriating. (laughs) It is infuriating how many people do not want to put any time and effort into doing this. And I'm like, guys, I finally got my brother into it. And he has now Mm -hmm. experienced the fruits of a trip, but I still cannot get my best friend in. And I'm 
confident that one of these days we'll go to Paris. You know, actually, though, she's coming with us to our upcoming trip to Orlando now, and she doesn't okay. have to pay for the hotel because I paid for it on points. So she will maybe maybe Reach that'll be a taste. And then mm-hmm. she'll be like, I should do this. Hey, guys, we're going to get right back to the rest of this episode. But before we do, we have a request. Look, if you've ever gotten any value from this show and you want it to continue to grow and to continue to serve you and have access to bigger and more knowledgeable guests, if you could leave us a rating and a review, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be completely amazing. These ratings and reviews go such a long way into attracting new podcast listeners and helping us bring guests on the show. It makes us so excited to hear how we are helping all of you reach your travel goals. It really does. And if you're feeling up to it, take a screenshot of your review after you post it and share it to your own Instagram. And don't forget to tag us at Wonderland on Points Podcast. We would love to reshare it in our own stories. Yes, we sure would. And if you haven't already, go ahead and leave that rating and a review right now. Okay, let's get back to the show. But I want to switch back to the neighborhood that you stayed in in Paris. I already forgot the na- uh, the word that you said. Arrondissement. I think I'm saying it right. I don't speak French, so don't. It's funny because I want to call it. I want to call it a district. Like I almost said district two, and then I was like, oh, that's very Hunger Games. It's probably not. It's probably not the vibe. District, neighborhood, um, arrondissement. So yeah. Oh. Go ahead. And what what do you have questions yeah. about? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm wondering if you have like a favorite restaurant, coffee shop. Like, what do you like to do on a day in Paris in this cute little neighborhood? Yeah. So the Louvre is really close by. So I would say definitely do a tour of the Louvre. I mean, depending on your your uh, like appetite for art and and all types of artsy things, you could spend days in the Louvre. Mm. Um I'm the type where I love to see the highlights. I love to hear about the the background of it. I need a tour guide to tell me about it. Otherwise, I don't appreciate. I can't. I don't know what what I'm looking at. Same. Um, so hire a tour guide or get a small group tour. Um, they'll usually last like three or four hours, and then you'll get out. Of, do the first one of the day and get out of there fast because otherwise, it gets like a madhouse. It's insane there. Um, but that after very that, good to know. Yeah, it's insane. And they get to a point where they don't allow other people in if it gets too crowded because there's just a there's a line that you can get in just on your own without a tour and just come and pay a ticket. Um and if you get don't do that line. It's well worth it to pay whatever 50, 60 bucks a person to get a tour. Well worth okay. it. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. What about food? Just talk to me about food because I am a huge foodie and like I, I would have to say 90% of the reason I want to go to Paris is to like taste their baked goods. So mm-hmm. I want to know places that you found that are not like not the big touristy places. Like tell me about like the little magical gems that you found while you were there, if there are any. Yeah. I mean, I think that this goes to like this advice goes for anywhere, in any big city. Go off the beaten path a little bit. Like, don't get food from the main streets or the popular areas because you'll find touristy spots where it's overpriced and the food's not that great. Um, so, but Paris and France in general has amazing food, especially for like traditional food chefs and things like that. I like mm. to call myself a foodie, and you just can get so much good food in, in Paris. And they've got a lot of great fine dining options as well if you're interested in that. Um, when my husband and I went to Paris two years ago, we checked out two Michelin, um, starred places and they were fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's um, awesome. one was pavilion and, um, the other one was called Frenchie. Frenchie was a little bit more laid back, uh, like cooler vibes, I would say, um, where it had a better aesthetic. And then mm-hmm. pavilion was more very traditional French, um, and very traditional fine dining where they're in like a white tablecloth and all the things. So you have a a good pick of the two there. Now, um, as for other food, I love La Fontaine de Mars. It is a very popular spot, but I think it lives up to its name and it's not super, it's not bad because, uh, because it's super popular, but you can get great traditional French food there. It's not all that expensive. It's got the cool, um, like red and white 
uh, aesthetic to it. Love that. And um, it's just a good place for dinner. Um, And then one other place I would say is Pink Mama. It's an Italian place, um, and it's all the rage on TikTok. Oh. I'm not a huge TikToker, but my my best friend that came <laughs> with me is all into TikTok, and she did her research before we came. Um, and it's Italian place. It was really great, great service. So you can try that out as well. I love that. Italian in France. I love oh. that so much. Well, they're pretty close by, so I'm sure they do a great job. Um, mm-hmm. Something I've always been nervous about is this um, – People always say that uh, French people hate Americans. And I have been so nervous to go there that I would end up looking like a like obnoxious, abrasive American and people would be mean to me and I'm really sensitive. And <laughs> so I've been a little nervous about that. So I want to know what your experience is as an American in Paris. Not Well, I don't know. Do you speak the language? I don't speak French. Okay. But I just when I to- so to play like a newer country that speaks another language, I try to use like I use Duolingo if you've heard of that app. Yes. I try to do it for like a week or two and get like the basics down, like how to where's the bathroom, hello, goodbye. But I don't speak French by any means. <laughs> I, I have love a really that you good do that. friend who is um, a French speaker. That was one of her first languages was French. And so she always has family that lives in uh, France, a best friend that lives over there. She's always trying to get me to go with her. And I'm always thinking that's a good idea because I I would feel, I think, more comfortable with someone who knew the language really well. But I got to say, Joanna, I agree. Like that is, it's such a (laughs) weird thing to be nervous about, but it is, there is something about going to a country that you know, you're not going to know the language that makes you a little bit nervous. But as long as you say it's okay, Allie, they're not, it's not so intimidating. You can get by. You can get by for sure. And I think Paris is one of the biggest tourist destination in the world. Mm. So they're most of the people that are there are actually tourists. Um, when you probably, when you see people on the streets, um, so the common language there is English. So whether you're a French person, you, you, you most likely know English. If you're American, you know English. If you're coming from another European country, most of them know English. So English is the easiest language for everybody to come together with. I will say something that might lead to the connotation that French people don't like Americans is that I found that in Paris, um, when somebody greets you in a, a local or a server at a at a restaurant will greet you. They'll first greet you in French. Um, and then if you respond back in French, maybe they'll try to respond again back in French. Whereas in other countries, either they know you're American by how we look and how we dress and how we're loud, or they just assume <laughs> we're English speaking. And usually in other European countries, I find that they greet you in English and they say, hello, how are you? Um, so maybe that attributes to the connotation that French people don't like Americans, but because they try to get you to speak French. But in the mo- for the most part, I've found them all to be very pleasant and kind. Um, and they're just living their life there, too, like if, if they were to come and visit our, our hometowns. That's good. That makes me feel a lot better. Have you ever branched out into like the French countryside or, you know, oh, I'm dying to, I would love to, because it, it's such an easy flight to Paris or you can usually get a nonstop flight to Paris. I would love to go into the French countryside or even like the South of France. Oh, that would be really yes. cool. Yes. Totally mm-hmm. high on my bucket list. Have you done any train travel throughout Europe to other European mm-hmm. cities? Maybe France, you know, Paris is a good hub to start with, but I have a lot of friends right now. I have a friend going for the Olympics next summer, but she's also thinking about going to Switzerland and going to Germany while she's there. Have you done any of that kind of travel, not necessarily from your Paris trips, but while you're in Europe, have you taken advantage of all the trains? Yeah, the trains are so easy. I wish we had them in America the same way they have them in Europe. Um, and I've traveled, I haven't gone to multiple countries through a train, but in, when I was in Italy, I went to multiple different cities with a train. Um, I know that you could do that easily in Paris, especially to London. A lot of people take the train from Paris Mm -hmm. to London and a lot of those central European countries are so close together that it's so easy to train. Um, the train is really, you show up like 10 minutes beforehand 
you're with your luggage, you don't have to check anything. It's a lot easier to navigate than getting all the way to the big airport, checking your bags, and then hopping on a plane that's only 25 minutes long and doing it all over again on the other side. So the train is really, I would recommend doing that. Yeah, everyone talks about the cheap like Ryanair flights, but you're right. (laughs) It takes so much time to go to an airport and check in versus just hopping on a train that even if the air travel is cheap, it seems like trains could be the way to go anyway. Yeah, but trains can be faster and cheaper. Beautiful, beautiful scenery out the windows. I have just been converted to trains and that was here. I cannot even imagine taking a train in Europe. Okay, Allie, so outside of Paris, we know you love Paris, especially in the fall, which I'm still hung up on because I can imagine the leaves changing and it just feels like I'm reading a book and venturing around with a scarf on. But aside from Paris, where else in Europe? What are your other favorite European cities? Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, that's hard. Um, I went to Portugal this past summer and Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved it. And I feel like it's a really big hot topic right now. Everybody's going there. Um, So we had a great time. We went to Lisbon, Porto, and then the south of Portugal, which is called the Algarve region where the beaches are. Um, It's a great spot. And I think it would be a great area to go to for those that want to do Europe, but on a cheaper budget. Mm. It was so cheap. We were so impressed, like surprised by how far our dollar went there. Um, especially when we were staying in hotels on points and then flying on points as well. Which hotels did you stay at in Portugal? So in Lisbon, um, we started out at a boutique hotel, and the name is escaping me. But when we returned back to Lisbon at the end, um, there's a Hyatt Regency I'm pretty sure we stayed at. And then in Porto, we stayed at a small luxury hotel collection hotel. Ooh. Oh, my God. It was amazing. If you can stay at the small luxury hotels um, collection that Hyatt has a partnership with. Actually, they just announced yesterday that they're no longer partnering with Hyatt. Hilton, right? Yes. I'm so bummed. Sad. Um, such a bad day for Hyatt members um, because the small luxury hotels, they'll basically treat you like with very high status there you get free breakfast um even at the some of these hotels had beautiful expensive breakfast and they'd get free breakfast for two a room upgrade um early check-in and check out they were just it was over the top we we felt very uh luxurious um and then in the algarve there was not really any hotel chains to stay at um so we stayed at like a local uh, boutique hotel and paid Mm -hmm. for that with cash but then the points are so great because I feel like we could splurge a little bit on a like a beachfront hotel because we weren't paying for hotels uh, any of the other nights. Totally. That's why I love it so much. We have talked to quite a few people. I feel like Portugal keeps coming up again. That that Hawaii of Europe, they say. Um, yeah. You you also mentioned Italy. Where did mm-hmm. you go in Italy? Yeah, I've been. So Italy was my first time to Europe, actually. My dad and I went on a trip. Uh, he took Aww. me there after my college graduation as like a, a graduation oh, wow. present. That is so, so sweet. Really sweet. Yeah. He had been like 25, maybe 30 years before. So he was basically going for the first time again. And we had a great time. But that was pre-points and miles. But mm-hmm. um, now I went a couple years ago with my husband and my mom and my stepdad. And we were able to do Rome, Florence, um, and then outside of Tuscany and like the wine region, it was just beautiful. If you like wine, it's definitely the place to go. Um, and then I was lucky enough. I stayed a couple more days, um, and stayed in the, and went to the Amalfi coast with two of my girlfriends. My husband had to fly home and go back to work, but I left, I, I had oh, fun no. and I was doing my European adventure on my own. Um, I felt bad. He had to go back and it, it, is, it was what it was, but I got to enjoy the Amalfi Coast too. <laughs> that is amazing. The Amalfi Coast is very high on my bucket list. We are getting married in September and I am having a very hard time nailing down like where we're actually going to go. I have mm-hmm. so many options and yeah. a lot of points to make it happen. And it's like just very hard decision to make. Yeah. Um, Amalfi Coast is just dreamy. I will say it's, it's very crowded. Okay. Very, very crowded. If after the September wedding, though, it'll probably the crowds will probably die down. So that's actually a good 
good time of year to go. Backstory, he's in police academy. He will be graduating. So he will be a new police officer. And there are rules about taking time off. So we are going to have to push our honeymoon into the winter. It'll probably be like January or February before he can get time. So I'm hoping that all the places on my bucket list are lovely at -hmm. that time of year, but that will probably help me make that decision. I am curious. So have you, it seemed like you stayed at a lot of different Hyatts. Have you done Mm -hmm. Hyatt Bingo? Have you gotten a free night? Not yet. I'm one night away. Um, Ah. So I'll need to, I think I'm going to stay at a Thompson hotel. I have a um, category one through four award that I need to use in the next couple months. And there's a Thompson in DC. I think we're going to just do like a staycation and that'll check off the last box of bingo and I'll get another free night. That sounds so fun. Everybody talks about the Thompsons. I've never stayed at one. They look so lovely. I almost did the one in Chicago. Uh, when I took my daughter for her birthday, but we did not. So you'll have to report back on how that is. I'm really excited. And I just got Hyatt Globalist this year. So I'm trying (gasps) to stay at as many Hyatts as possible. Congratulations. That's exciting. That is a big deal. Yeah. Um, We stayed. We're lucky enough that, and I feel like you guys could do a whole podcast on this, on Hyatt Globalist. Um, (laughs) Yes. We're near a category one Hyatt, uh, like very like five minutes away. So we did a couple what they call mattress runs where we just mm-hmm. check in and didn't actually stay there to get the remaining nights we needed to hit Globalist. Um, so Do you have both a Hyatt business credit card and Hyatt personal credit card? So it's actually my husband that's Globalist. Don't ask me how this rabbit hole went down. <laughs> But yes, at the time I was lazy and I would just transfer his points to Hyatt and then book through his account. And then it got to a point where we had stayed like 30 nights in a Hyatt using his account. And I was like, well, now crap, you need to get Hyatt Globalist. But anyways, long story short is he has the Hyatt personal card. So he gets five nights a year um, with that card. And then Mm -hmm. I have the business card version of it. Um, But it, the business card version actually isn't as good as the personal card, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah, I the ha- Hyatt card is my last credit card that I got, and I was go, you know, I was really taking a close look at between the business card and the personal card just to see. And in the end, I couldn't, I couldn't go with the business. I just, yeah. it seemed like the personal card was the way to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes a 524 spot, but I think it can be worthwhile, especially if you're going to be with Hyatt in the long game. Yeah, we have a lot of Hyatt stays on the calendar for this year and a couple places later in the year that I was hoping to get a club upgrade certificate. And so I just, I decided it did hit me like I am 524 at the moment because of that Hyatt card, not for too long. Well, I'll have one drop off before too long, but that was like a huge factor. I was like, oh my gosh, Joe, do I do it? I'm going to go 524. Is it worth it? But I just wanted it. it. Yeah. But And by the end of the conversation, I wanted one of those cards. So <laughs> I, I am curious, though, you have a full-time job. It's not just full-time creating, right? So Correct. are you able to work from anywhere? Is that how you're able to do this much travel and this many nights to get the globalist? Or are you just like a major weekend warrior? Yeah, I get that question a lot. I am a pretty big weekend warrior. Um, I do work remote, which I'm very grateful for, but I'm not allowed to work out of the country. So Mm. I can only, when I travel, I have to take PTO. I'm lucky enough that I have, I work for a company that gives unlimited PTO. Now that always sounds amazing, but it's never (laughs) really unlimited. (laughs) They're not going to let me just take off whenever. But um, so traditionally when I, yeah, whenever I go abroad, I have to take PTO. So that's where I love to take long weekends, like a Thursday to a Monday or Tuesday yeah. Especially if you stack them with like a holiday weekend, then you really don't have to take much time off. That makes a lot of sense. And I always see the best flight deals on like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. Mm-hmm. So if you stagger it like that and you're not doing any flying on the weekends, that's really good for your points wallet. So, yes. well, I love that. That is amazing. I don't think I'm ever going to have enough PTO to be globalist. I don't see that in the cards <laughs> for me at all. It doesn't, it's not, I mean, it's a great thing to have, but you don't, not everybody has to chase it. You know, I think it, that's what makes yeah. this hobby fun. It's a personal. For sure. What do you want? It does sound nice, though. (laughs) (laughs) Allie, so what was the last credit card you got? And then tell us also what 
what's on your radar for the future? What are, what are your plans? What's your strategy for 2024? Yeah. So ironically, I had told myself, I'm probably not going to get a personal card for a while. I want to keep my 524 score low. And then Chase Freedom Unlimited came out with this cool, really cool offer where um, it's no sign-up bonus, but they had an unlimited match for your first year as a card holder. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it comes with like 3X on dining, um, 3X on drugstores. And what really drew me to it was 1.5X on everything else. So at the end of the year, they'll go and double all your points. So essentially, you're getting 3X on everything, 6X on dining and all the other uh, categories I listed. So I went and I got that card. Uh, Unfortunately, that offer is is over now. So you can't get that Uh, offer any longer. But I went and got that card at the beginning of January. And now it's basically the card I hand my player to my husband. I say, this is the card you're going to use for the rest of the year. And you don't have to worry about changing your cards out. I'll deal with the cards that we're working on for a sign-up bonus. He's so probably really so excited. happy to hear that. <laughs> yes, he can't keep up with with all the the new cards I throw at him. So I'm giving him that card to work on for the year. Um, and I love that I get basically three X on everything because otherwise uh, I was I was using my Capital One Venture X to get two X mm-hmm. on everything. And I love that. It's a great card, um, but I like using chase points a little bit better. I know. It always comes back to really chase Mm -hmm. points are the most fun. But I'm so glad you brought up the Freedom card because we haven't really talked about the Freedoms that much on the podcast. And they are great because they're no annual fee. So the thing that you must know about a Freedom card is that you can't use those points on their own if you do not have a Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve. So that's the one caveat that you have to know. It makes a great set and a great pairing. If you do have Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve, you can't use the Freedom Points otherwise. And by use them, I mean transfer to travel partners. A lot of people, maybe they get their Chase Sapphire Preferred, their Chase Sapphire Reserve, one of those, and then they complement it with the Freedom Cards because they get great categories. One of the Freedom Cards has rotating cashback categories of 5% cashback that changes throughout the year. And you can really rack up a ton of Chase points that way. Mm -hmm. And then you transfer them over to your Chase Sapphire Preferred or Chase Sapphire Reserve and use them to transfer for travel. So I'm really excited that you brought up that card because I think for a lot of our listeners who are somewhat new to it, that that could be something on their radar of, of a really good card for them to complement mm-hmm. maybe the the CSP that they got already. Yes, yeah, exactly. I it, I don't think it's on the radar that much until this new this offer came out. Because otherwise, I had always told myself, well. I don't need it. It doesn't have a sign-up bonus, but the spending category multipliers are great on that card. So that was my my most recent card. A lot of people will use um, the Freedoms. Instead of maybe signing up for one from scratch, they will downgrade to it. Maybe they had the Sapphire Preferred and they decide they want the Reserve. So they will downgrade their Sapphire Preferred to one of the Freedoms rather than canceling the card, closing the card completely. And then they can sign up for like the Chase Sapphire Reserve or something like that. It does get written off. And that is a really, really good offer, especially when you just don't have to think about switching cards for everything. Like that's really, really nice. I'm kind of excited to hear people's totals at the end of the year when they get their match. Finally, that's going to be really exciting for everyone. It's going to be like tax refund season. It's going to be great. I know we spend so (laughs) much money on dining. Like that's one of our biggest budget category. So I'm excited to get 6X on dining. It's going to be awesome. That's That's huge. That's massive. What is one tip that you wish you had known when you started out? Maybe it stems from a mistake you made or just something that you know now that you're like, man, that would have been valuable to know early on. Yeah. I think, okay, this will be twofold. One is that there's so many free or low cost, um, resources out there to figure out how to use your points. What I mean by that is like uh, websites that help you find the award availability. I think so many people don't realize that. And then you're kind of, you feel like you're in the dark and you don't know what you're doing and you feel lost. Um, Instead, use like a website. Like I like using seats.arrow for flights or point.me for Mm -hmm. flights. And you can just plug and play and say, where do you want to go and what days? And then it'll help give you ideas for how to use your points. 
Um, the same thing goes with hotels. I mentioned Aways earlier, which is a hotel award availability um, like tracker. Um, there's also the free uh, website of, of a hotel award availability tracker is uh, MaxMyPoint. And that one's nice too. Um, but just know that there's a lot of things out there that can help you to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, my second point being, and it kind of goes hand in hand, is that join and follow as many accounts that talk about points and miles as possible. Yes. Like, I try to tell people if they ask me, how, how can I learn about this? I say, go and follow as many points and miles people as possible, because the more you consume this information and you hear about how other people are doing points and miles, then you get ideas of how you might be able to do it. Um, so I'm a part of a million Facebook groups mm-hmm. related to that. And if you can spend like 15 minutes a day at night just scrolling and looking at other people's questions, you start to learn a lot yourself. A hundred percent. I learned entirely from podcasts, Instagram, and then mm-hmm. like one specific Facebook group where I asked every question that I've ever had and then realized that people were asking those questions every single day. Um, yes. And I didn't even have to ask. I could just scroll. But it's amazing how much free information is out there. And I think that is the perfect segue into our fun to follow segment. Do you have somebody that you love to follow in this space that you want to shout out? Oh, there's so many. Um, I really <laughs> you can give us a couple. It's okay. Um, I love Abby at Wayfair and Co. Um, so she's a mom and they she's just so like kind and you can tell that she really cares about her followers. She cares about um, wanting you to, to know what's best for you and your family in the points mm-hmm. world and, and for credit cards. So she's a wealth of knowledge. Um, so I love her. Packed with points is amazing. And it's Amy at Packed with points. I love her. She has got such a great variety of business class and economy class and also hotel deals. So she's a wealth of knowledge as well. That is awesome. We will link them both up in our show notes and give them a little shout out on Instagram so they they know we were talking about them over here. So as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that you can think of that might be helpful um, for anyone planning a trip specifically you know, to Europe or specifically to France and Paris? Maybe people flying on Air France or if there's another airline. What, what's kind of your, your last thoughts that you have on that? Yeah, Air France is my go-to for getting to Europe, especially Paris, because that makes sense with Air France. Um, so definitely take advantage of their calendar feature. You you can see all of the um, their points, uh, how much they'll charge across a monthly view. Um, another thing about Air France is that they offer discounted uh, flights for children. Um, so I know that if the kid is under two, you can have a lap infant. And if you book with an award, uh, if you book an award flight, I think you just pay 10% in the taxes and fees for the child. But if the child's over two, you can definitely get a discount. Have you ever heard of that? I, I have never. Love that. I love it because I, you know of it with the lap child, right? That's like free on domestic flights. And generally, you only have to pay maybe 10% of the fare for international. But once your child is two, I thought, you know, all discounts are off, but that's not true at all. There are some international airlines that give you discounts. And Air France, I believe you can get up to 33% on long haul flights. Maybe the happy number is more like 25%, but their website says for children two or older, you can get up to 33% discount on a long haul flight. So when you think about, and that's with points or with cash. So when you think about a whole family going on a European adventure, that could be a huge way to save some money. Um, I'm curious about when they decide that childhood ends because you know how some well, places you have to, at, at Universal Studios, my daughter is an adult ticket. She is what? 12. Right, what? right. I think it is maybe around 12 because Air France on their website talk about having a youth pass. And I don't know (laughs) if that's just for European travelers, but they have this thing called a youth pass for ages 12 to 24, which is, I was kind of shocked by, can get something called a youth pass. I guess that's, you know, post-college. Your your parental cortex finishes forming. (laughs) There you go. So even with youth, you can get a little bit of a discount flying within Europe and I think to Africa. And and it's worth looking into. If you're planning mm-hmm. a flight and Air France is a possibility for you, definitely look into those discounts. That 
is amazing. Thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us today. You are just a wealth of knowledge. And would you like to tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Travel Pointers with Allie. And I also have um, a free Travel with Points 101 guide um, that basically goes over a crash course of all the basics of what you need to know. Um, and then in a couple months, um, I'm going to plug my course here. Yay! I'm going to come out with a course for everybody to learn everything in one place um, from beginner to advanced. That awesome. is so exciting. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to keep our eyes peeled for that. And we're going to link you up in the show notes as well as your shout outs so everybody can find you. And thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. If you enjoyed this show today, please consider writing us a review or clicking five stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please subscribe and follow along so that you never miss an episode. You can follow the podcast on Instagram or YouTube at Wonderland on Points Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Family Travel for the Win with the number four. And you can find me on Instagram at Points to Wonderland. If you're thinking about getting a new Travel Rewards credit card, consider using the links in our show notes. Using our links helps to support us and keep our podcast going so we can provide you with all the latest tips and tricks when it comes to traveling on points. And if you aren't sure which card is right for you, shoot us an email at wonderlandonpoints at gmail.com and we would be happy to walk you through a free card consultation. That's also a great place to send us all of your comments and questions. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you here next time.